Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. What if you completely eliminated the resume from the entire hiring process? Now, you might be thinking, how is that even possible? Well, let's divulge a few truths about the resume. First of all, resumes lie. Not only in what is written, but more importantly, what is not. So really, the most valuable information on a resume is the contact information and the white space. And the white space is where the truth is found. Today, we discuss how to effectively circumvent the resume to uncover the strongest talent while minimizing your time investment in sifting through piles of resumes. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and business leaders win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Dr. Michael Neal. Dr. Michael Neal is an eye doctor in private practice and the founder of Build My Team. After years of struggling with bad hires, he invented a scientific assessment system to predictively discover diamonds in the rough, all without looking at resumes. Dr. Neal and Build My Team erase all the guesswork with their scientific hiring process. They remove those who can't do the job using their unique combination of scientific assessments for mindset, learning speed, motivation, strengths, and talents. This saves business owners valuable time and eliminates the high turnover, which is what makes Michael the perfect expert for today's topic. Michael, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hi, Rick. I'm super excited to be here. Super excited to have you. One of these days, I just want somebody to say, man, I'm so bummed I'm here. (laughs) Not today. So today we're going to discuss why we need to kill the resume, because you and I are both on the same plane on that one, and then how to effectively hire without a resume. We're going to share how you do it, and I'm going to share some of my thoughts on it too, because I minimize the resume as much as possible. I think it's a crutch, and it's a terrible thing that people use to make decisions and interview people. Absolutely. So what are the challenges that you see with the resume? Well, first of all, I would say that at the end of the day, business leaders want one thing, and that's tell me who to hire. All of these resumes, you get this big stack of applicants on your desk. What am I supposed to do with all of these? Do you want to have death by a thousand paper cuts going through all of these resumes? <laughs> or would you rather just have a couple of them magically float up to the top and boom, those are the folks you start talking to? How do you make them magically float up to the top then? With build my team, we use a scientific assessment process where I know this sounds crazy. We don't actually look at resumes. We're hiring administrative team members for small businesses, a lot of healthcare practices, in fact. And using them as an example, you've got all kinds of applicants where they don't really have much of a resume. The contact information, and as you said earlier, the white space, those are the two most valuable things on the resume. What we get the most out of from resumes is what's their driving distance to work? Because so many folks who are applying for these jobs, they just don't have much to say. They don't really have a story to tell on their resume. And our all-time record to give case in point here is we have a person who was offered and accepted a position using a resume that had four lines to it. That's it. The piece of paper had four lines on it. 
And what did it say? Name, phone number, and I want to work? In addition to contact information, that was it. It was horrible. But she flew through our scientific assessment system and we told the client, this is a superstar. You guys need to move on them. And they did have been, have been super happy. All right. So I find that a lot of times what ends up happening is that you're making a decision on whether or not you want to talk to somebody based on a piece of paper that doesn't really have that much information. And there's much more powerful tools. I use an assessment, but like we do an actual what we call a discovery call with each person. But before that, we'll talk about how to flip your funnel upside down. But if you're looking at job descriptions purely as your way, posting a job description and seeing what applicants apply, and that's fully how you're finding people, then you need some sort of mechanism to give you some insight as to who this person is, as opposed to just the resume. And by the way, cover letters, waste of time. People write a cover letter and they send it over and that's pretty much it. We built in, and I learned this years ago, a call to action at the end of it, which I find is highly valuable because you give somebody a little bit of homework. It's not an assessment, but give me a quick snapshot of who you are, why you're interested in us. Yeah. And we find that most people can't do that. So we don't ask them who they are. We run them through the assessment process and the process tells us who they are, not who they're representing, not who they would like to be in an interview or otherwise. By doing that, we actually see who the person truly is, not what the resume is telling us they are, not what they, as I said, they're telling us the picture they want us to believe, the archetype, if you will, of who they think they are in an interview. None of that stuff. We don't even go through that. Before our clients, when they get our version of a replacement of the resume, it's called an insight report. We send that to the client and that's what is on paper about the person. That's who they are. We have how they're going to perform in a work environment so dialed in that it's about 97% accurate. And we are doing things like predicting their mindset. We're looking at how fast they learn, a bunch of critical performance factors, and then predicting how they're going to operate in the work environment. It has completely replaced the resume for us. Well, that's great because, again, so if somebody's applying, they're basically going through the application process then, and they're doing the assessment at the same time, devoid of having to submit a resume. Correct. Okay. I find this is really valuable content, especially for people who are not actively looking for a job. We do a lot of recruiting, and the thing is, our assessment of a person in that conversation is far more valuable than a resume. And I find a resume is a crutch that is leaned back on. So walk me through your resume. People don't know what to ask in an interview. So they look at the resume and go, okay, well, walk me through your last job. And they use that as the crutch to essentially conduct the interview. Right. Yeah. And what they're really looking for, I mean, they could just rephrase the question. So sir or madam, what are you exceptional at? And can that exceptionality be applied to our business? Yes or no? That's really what you're looking for. The resume doesn't tell you any of that. In fact, we jokingly refer to it as a fictional failure file, because if they were so terrific at each of these positions that they've been in, wouldn't they still be there? <laughs> fictional Wouldn't they be excelling file. in those positions? I love that. You know, well, I'm going to start coin. Like, can I borrow that from you? <laughs> You can. A resume is a fictional failure file. file. Love it. So why is this important to a company that they shy away from using resumes? Right off the bat, how well is it working for you so far? We all know the answer to that. You really need to be open-minded to a different method of getting the results that you're looking for. The scientific assessment method is far more predictable for our company. It's superior in every single way. And we have the process dialed in to find administrative superstars so well, like I said, we don't even look at the resume anymore. In fact, our statistical analysis of our process has shown that when 
our team members, we used to look at the resumes. It provided bias and general decision-making bias where we wouldn't pick the superstars. Instead, we would pick people who could write good resumes. That's a key point, bias. The resume creates bias from the get-go. If you think about it, everything from the school you went to, to the company you work at right now, to the buzzwords and bullshit you have on your resume, it all creates a picture that is not accurate in most cases. Correct. And I've seen people who have great resumes that are just, they're not very good. And I've seen people who have the worst resumes in the world and they're fantastic. They're phenomenal humans. They're too busy working to sit down and fathom putting together a resume. They just don't care about it. Right. Exactly. If you were applying for a desktop publishing position, <laughs> I think maybe an awesome looking resume, eh, part of your portfolio, but that's not how it works in the rest of the or world. Or if you're writing they, resumes for a go. living. Exactly. Then you've got one outcome you need there. For regular business owners, small business owners, what we're looking for is how do we find those superstars? And a resume really has nothing to do with it. All right. So you're using this assessment primarily with administrative workers. How does it work for people who are at the leadership level or anything to that effect? It's in a different way. We can make hiring decisions based solely on the outcome of the assessments. We have positions that are incredibly well-defined on a senior leadership level. Like for example, if we're looking at folks in a leadership position within an eye doctor's practice, a dental practice, any of the healthcare private practices, which we do really, really well with, that type of assessment information is used as part of the decision-making process. Are all medical practices pretty much cookie cutter box the same because you have a culture that you have to hire around as well. You need somebody who can deal with the doctor or whoever's heading up the business. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes dealing with the doctor requires it's a special treat. <laughs> and in fact, one of the things we're measuring is how a person responds to stress because in a healthcare environment, it is extremely stressful. So we are using this information for very specific roles. So for example, a secretary in a busy medical practice, that is not an easy job. They have to be able to do a whole bunch of things that let's say somebody who might be a medical biller or a technician, any type of other environment. And what you end up finding out is that in all of these practices, they are extremely similar. Healthcare as a whole requires a secretary for almost everybody. And they need these certain types of skill set. It doesn't matter if they're in eye care, dentistry, podiatry, audiology, it doesn't matter where they might be. Those skill sets are common and they're shared across the private practices. So each different healthcare subspecialty, of course, has certain things that make it special. However, those are the 10% on top of the 90%. They're the cream on top of the cake. We're looking for the cake. So basically you're using the actual interview then itself to make sure that somebody aligns with the culture. We do only at the very end. And the interviews that we do are only after the assessments. I get the fact you're doing the assessments first to make sure that you're finding somebody who's good, but how are the doctors or the offices effectively interviewing them to make sure that they fit from a cultural perspective? Sure. As part of the starting process with our clients, we will ask them a bunch of questions. In fact, mildly profiling their culture. For example, is this doctor the type of doctor where you have to be highly stress tolerant in order to work with them? Eh, a difficult person. All doctors, 
I, I can neither confirm nor deny, but we need to know that up front. On the other hand, some doctors are absolutely a cinch to work with. That's the culture of the healthcare practice. So we can dial that in and then we're selecting the applicants that we know are going to be a great fit for that particular practice itself in addition to the position itself. Okay, so it's primarily then from the skills perspective or the soft skills, hard skills and soft skills. Not so much skills, but talents and strengths and what they're naturally good at. That's what our assessment process focuses on. And I'll give you an example from our own practice. It used to take about six months to get one of our team members up and running. We have it now down to approximately two weeks for them to be basically up and running. And then from an advanced level, it runs to be about four to six weeks, depending on the position. And we were able to do that just by selecting the type of assessment in order to narrow that down and focus on being able to achieve those results. Got it. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find the link to pre-order Healing Career Wounds, which will be released on May 20th. Let it be your startup secret weapon to winning the strongest hires. Our guest today is Michael Neal. He is the founder and CEO of Build My Team. And we're discussing eliminating the resume, which I love this subject because quite frankly, I think it resumes are the devil. So we just talked a little bit about why it's important to eliminate the resume from your practice. But now we're going to talk about how to solve this problem. Michael, lay out for me step by step how you can advise our audience to essentially be comfortable enough to eliminate the resume and be able to hire the right people. So I would say, first of all, the step number one is being open to the fact that this is the better approach. Let's face it, if you're not open to it, nothing's going to move you off of where you're at. You need to break the inertia because we've all been trained that this is how we hire. We post a job, we get resumes, we sort through the resumes, we curse the resumes, <laughs> and we go that route. And by the way, that's not recruiting people. That's like posting and praying, which is not a good right. method. And statistically, your best options for finding people are number one, working through your referral network, number two, actively recruiting, and then mm -hmm. posting and getting people off of that model. You got to flip the funnel if you really want to be effective yeah. and save your time. Absolutely. And if you don't, you're really not going to go anywhere. You'll be just like the rest of the folks still doing that. There's no way to differentiate your business or provide anything that would be special for a superstar to want to apply to. And contrary to the commercials that you hear on air, there are no unicorns on job boards. Right. Superstars, A players are attracted to A players. We've known that for years. They tolerate B players and they are completely turned off by C players. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. As you get more A players on your team, you can do spectacularly well. And our practice is an example of that. We were basically about two years ago using the Build My Team system. We replaced over 80% of our team members. Talk about crazy. In one fell swoop, just boom. Over the course of a couple months, okay. we were open the whole time, so it couldn't be done all at once, but we just basically had it and decided to do that. Our scores in terms of the patient satisfaction scores went way up. We have hugs given on a regular basis, happiness, laughing in the hallways, just a general giddy environment. And that is absolutely fantastic. Like you talked about culture earlier, our culture changed. It completely changed. And not to mention, we became busier, but our profit also went way, way, way up. Replaced 80% of the people and our profit went up approximately 82%. In the course of those 
few weeks. Over the course of that year. A few months. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. There's something to be said. I mean, like, here's the thing. If you don't enjoy going into work and working with the people that you're working with and you're just there for the paycheck, get out. And you did a great thing. You released them to the market, gave them the opportunity to go find something they're going to be happy at. Well, that's the thing. If they're not happy working in your business, you're doing them a favor by helping them find a job that they are going to be happy with. Yep. It takes a little while to get to that point, but you really are. So be open to a better way. What's next? I would say it's scientific. Use the assessments. There are several different assessment companies. There's all kinds of different approaches to this. Of course, we'd be happy to help any business that is looking for the type of help. But I would say that the assessment process, stay away from the personality assessments. Those don't work. They're not going to get you the results that you think they are. They most definitely have their place. And I do have strong opinions about those. They're going to get you into a trap where you think you're going to get the right person and generally you don't. So for example, we hear a lot from clients that they want a super happy, friendly secretary. Well, yes, you do. However, if you have a personality test that says that this is the bubbliest human on planet Earth and you put them into a medical practice, if they can't answer the phone while typing, while scheduling appointment, while doing five other things and a whole host of other naturally gifted talents and strengths, they're going to fail. They will be terrific at one thing, but they're going to fail for the rest of it. So which assessments then are the most useful? Well, our approach, we customized it for administrative type talent. So I can't extrapolate to the entire job market. Of course, there are companies that exist to do exactly that. But for, let's say, executive assistants or anybody who works in a medical or a healthcare type environment, our approach has been customized for that. So are there specific things that you're looking for that makes a really good administrative professional? Yeah, right off the bat, we start out with a mindset assessment. And this is a little counter to, we'll call it the general approach normally works. What we're looking for is a person who has a mindset to serve. And what I mean by that is, They're coming in to work every day thinking about how they can please people, how they can help the folks they're responsible for. Things like, do they have initiative? Are they grateful and appreciative? Are they team players? Do they believe in entitlement? I am anaphylactically, let's just make this clear. I am allergic to entitlement. I can't stand it. (laughs) If you think- You and me me both, brother. Well, it becomes a little entertaining, but if you're God's gift to my healthcare practice, uh uh-uh, you're out. At that point, you think that- it's all about you. It's not. It's all about the patient. And in regular non-healthcare businesses, it's all about the customer. I mean, Jeff Bezos says it best. He built Amazon based solely on that. So there are a couple of things like that where we just categorically remove those people from the equation. Okay. That's great input. So you've used the assessments. What would be the next piece? I would say you really reverse engineer what is the type of person that you're looking for. And we all know it. So again, with a secretary picking on that position or an executive assistant, you want certain things in those roles. So stop, spend 15 minutes thinking about the best employee you ever had in that role. And what were they like in terms of an average day? What strengths and talents did they possess? You're not thinking about hiring Susie or Sammy. You're thinking instead about, boy, they got here five minutes early. They were always organized. They were able to talk to people in the following way. They could communicate in these ways, things along those lines, build that archetype of the person you're looking for. And then when you have that, you know that when you run into those people through your assessments, you can fill those positions and be quite happy with the results. 
So when you're looking at what the right person looks like, it's what the right person looks like for the business, as opposed to what you think the right person is. I find this is a challenge often with entrepreneurs is we'll get somebody who'll say, well, I really want somebody who works out of Amazon or Facebook, and they have to have gone to school here. And those to me, I call vanity hires, and they often do not work out. Right. There's an Elon Musk quote, and I know he's a polarizing figure. However, he doesn't care what your school is at all. He'll hire people essentially out of high school to do crazy things with rockets or whatever. I agree with that philosophy completely. And we're practicing it at the company. You were given a natural skill set and talent set and things that you wake up in the morning, you go into work and you're like, that was easy. I don't know why everybody thinks that was hard. Like, Why are you guys all looking at me? I know that this only took five minutes and everyone else took two hours to do it, but this is just natural. They don't think anything is special. That's one of the keys that you're looking for. When you can run into that type of mentality and that type of person applied to the position that requires it, magic gets made. And that's what we've been able to do with our assessments. Yeah, it's how the person is positioned too. Because a lot of times when you have these, what I call discovery calls, when I have discovery calls with people, I'm finding out exactly where they're positioned, what they want to do, what their pain is in their current job, and what do they desire doing? Like, what do they really like doing? What are they going to wake up in the morning happy to do? And people will tell Mm -hmm. you this if you ask them, especially in the beginning. The challenge is, is just getting out of that, like you said, shift that mindset and get out of you selling your job and find out about the person, kind of humanize the process. Yeah, absolutely. And build my team. Our assessment process is set up to essentially find those natural strengths and talents where they just get up in the morning and think, this is great. I can't believe somebody's paying me to go do this. It's so easy. Yeah, exactly. And the last piece would be what, the interview? We do the interview only at the end in order to make certain that everything that we think is actually the case. And that's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. There are some things that come out of a discussion that you can't get through an assessment process. And some of that is our secret sauce, of course. However, it's necessary. And so in these discussions with finalist candidates, you can usually see, like, let's say if there's five finalist candidates, one or two of them are going to rise to the top. And that comes from the information you get from the video interview. What specifically are you pulling out? Like, what are you going for exactly in that video interview? The amount of confidence they represent themselves with. Let's say, again, for a secretarial position, if they're an executive assistant, I would be looking for a little bit more of the serving type approach where their goal is to take care of people. Are they empathetic? Are they stone cold? No personality? Certain things like that will match better with other people. But are you actually designing the interview questions to pull out evidential data to support that? Is that what you're saying? Yes. And that is the main focus. The secondary focus that comes along with that is to get them talking. It's to start a conversation that is a little bit more open-ended. Like one of my favorite questions that we ask is if you could do anything in the world, what would it be? And you see people lean back, whether this is in person or on a video, they just lean back, take a little deep breath, stare off into space, and then boom, out comes their response. And most of them have something that's a little bit different from what they're applying for, obviously, but it shows the level of passion that they might have for their dreams, all kinds of stuff like that. 
But how does that tie back, though, to whether or not the person's going to be successful in the organization? Passion. Passion's number one. So you're measuring their passion for, I don't know, let's say I'm like into rollerblading and I really talk about, I want to rollerblade on the Great Wall of China. And if I'm passionate about that, like how would that correlate to whether or not I'd be a fit? Well, let me flip it around. Since we're talking about pyramids, we'll flip yeah. the pyramid upside down. <laughs> what would you like to do more than anything else in the world? And the person says, well, geez, Rick, I don't really know. I think I'd like to do something sometime. Boom, click, we're done. You have no passion. You Got have it. no drive. You aren't looking to do anything other than get up in the morning and proverbially punch the clock. No, that's not a superstar approach to life. So I don't care if you get up in the morning and you say you want to drive a school bus. I mean, personally, not for me. But if you are incredibly passionate about driving a school bus, that's what we're looking for. I love that. We're getting pretty close on time. Uh, Michael, what would be two or three key takeaways you'd give the audience that could plug into their business today? Yeah, I'd say the first one is that the stress that you're under as a business owner, especially a small business owner with hiring, it's completely avoidable. You don't have to be under that stress. So there is a way to get out from this misery and this craziness. Second thing is you really want to replace your mediocre team members with superstars. Your entire life will change. I am living proof of this. I love going into work now. I love the culture that we've got. It's fun. And we get to help people all day long. And then the third thing, just as a take home, is you don't have to believe me on any of this stuff. The fact is we replaced 80% of our team members. We nailed all of these incredible results, 82% profit increase while having more fun. And we went all the way through COVID, stayed open the whole time and was able to completely nail our patient care at our healthcare practice. So again, you don't have to do this yourself. There is a way out. And for those of you who like data, that's a great statistic. You're living proof of that working. Michael, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be best way in which members of our audience can find you, find, build my team? How can they reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way would probably be to go to our website. It's www.buildmyteam.com. That's www.buildmyteam.com. Or you can just call, use the telephone. That's a great old ditty. So it's 800-434-TEAM. That's 800-434-8326. And we'd love to talk with you, find out how we can help and how we can help serve your business and really remove that stress from your life. All right. I want to thank this week's audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. Please subscribe, review, and share the podcast. We're listening. We welcome your feedback after all this show's for you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can send me an email at rick at stridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Vanessa Klein. Vanessa is an executive recruiter and partner for Calibre One. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Turner.